like since I started texting you. Uh-huh. I think I'm, it's going to be fun. Okay. I think it's going to be a good topic. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. I'm Jake. Dude, I'm so out of it. Yeah, you just turned off the recorder when you went to hit record. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, let's <clears> do <throat> this. Uh, turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, it, it killed our momentum. Yeah, we were all did. ready. We were like <gasps> holding our breaths. That reminds me. So I was going to talk to you about this. Um, I wrote this down in my notes. Just being out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I are like, oh my gosh, what have we been doing for the last week? Yesterday at work, um, I was talking to the drivers on one of the on the phone, and he's like, "Dude, I kind of killed it today." I was like, "Yeah, you did, man. You ripped through everything you had to do today. You did awesome." And I was like, "Plus, man, I can't believe you were like all the way up in the middle of nowhere, man, to doing that delivery. You got lost." And he goes, "That was yesterday." <laughs> and I go, "Are you kidding me?" And he goes, "That was yesterday, Jeff." And I was like, "I've been here for too long." Shattered my world, Jake. <laughs> I was 100% absolutely flabbergasted. Ooh, good word. I I was 100% certain that that day I was looking because he was like, dude, I don't know where this place is. And I remember pulling it up on a Google map and then zooming out and being like, dude, you're in the middle of nowhere. I was certain it was the same day. Hmm. He Crazy. was like, that was yesterday, where, dude. Where in the middle of nowhere? Up by uh, it's Deer Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a ways. Dude, he was so far out. Where's your guys' terminal? Uh, Delta Park. Okay. Yeah. But I was just like, I, I, I was stunned. I could not believe it wasn't the same day. Crazy. <laughs> I was just like, no, nah, you're kidding. He's like, dude, that was yesterday. And I've, I was like, I've oh. hunted on Deer Island. Oh, my God. Now we're getting stuck on Deer Island. <laughs> you're not even listening to me. No, I am. No, that's, uh, yeah, I. Stuff will happen like when you spend too many straight hours like yeah. at work and then they just the days start to blend together. I've never it it felt like it was ten minutes prior that I was trying to help him find really? out where he was. Crazy. It was freaky. Well, you've had dude. a lot you've had a lot going on. It's just You're, I think I think it's everything. I had a test on Sunday. Yeah. And just I was gonna ask how that went. Nah. Okay. Eighty four. Okay. But dude It's depressing. All right. Fair I want. Enough. I want. I was like. I know. This, I, I want I, a ninety, dude. I, I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm the same exact way. Well, because I tell other people, I'm like, they're like, "Hey, how'd your test go?" I was like, "I got 84." They're like, "That's great." I'm like, "To who? Not me." I know. I was gonna. I was gonna <laughs> say like, you like that's a good score for a master's program, and you. Sh- I mean, you shouldn't freak out. I hate tests, Jake. And, and I. And then yeah. Let so, me just write. I, I don't. About it. I don't like. I. I know. Right. We're we're history students. Yeah. So we don't take tests, dude. It's the worst. And it was open book. And it's like, I. I hesitate. I'm like, okay, this is the answer. Wait, is this the answer? So then I'll scramble through the book, scramble through the book to look for where it is, and I'll be like, oh, it was the answer. Yeah. But I waste that time doing that, and it's two hour timed. Mm-hmm. It's open book, but. I hate tests, dude. Tests are the worst. At least you're able to do open book. Yeah. There was one question uh, that said, um, Washington uh, uh, Washington State University's main campus is in Pullman, Washington. That was a question? True or false? Seriously? (laughs) Wow. It was a gimme. Oh, okay. Extra credit or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, I know this one. (laughs) (laughs) The... uh, um, Gosh, we had a, in my live online class, we had to take a test, but we had to stay on webcam while we took it. So like in there, it wasn't, it wasn't open note and it wasn't open book. So it was basically knowing that you weren't looking. Whoa. And I didn't know that. 
I didn't know that until the day, like right as we're starting the test, uh-huh. because I had all of my notes like ready to go. Because I I didn't I, I wasn't I wasn't reading to memorize. Right. I was just reading to like take notes and then have those as a as like a as a reference. Yeah, dude, I was fucked. <gasps> I, I can't believe. I can't believe they did that. I know. I was dirty, man. It was so dirty. And she's like, okay, make sure you stay on webcam. You'll fail if, if I see you turn off your webcam. And I'm like, and oh, by the way, it's no, it's not open note. They told you then? Yeah. That's dirty, dude. I couldn't imagine being... It didn't, it, I went back and looked at the syllabus, and then nowhere in the syllabus <gasps> did it say uh, closed note or a closed book or, any, or anything referencing like... So I just figured you could use notes because oh, if it didn't say it. I couldn't do it if they did that. If they were like, you have to be on cam. Well, even even if it was open book, I would hate that. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that the teacher's watching all the screens, like the Brady Bunch intro. Yeah. So when I finished <laughs> and I clicked back to the, the, the classroom screen in yeah. Zoom, which is like a Skype thing. And it's funny because you can just see like... I was people watching because I wasn't I wasn't the last one to finish. Right. So there was still people doing it, and there was like this person like freaking out on one of the and then one of the cams and all that kind of stuff. It was it, interesting to watch, dude. That would be but so I bombed, great. I bombed that test. Did you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you freaking they just like blindsided you. That's yeah. terrible. That was last. That Dang. was last semester. That's hard. That is hard. Dang, dude. Anyway, so my days are blurring together. Yeah. Panicking to stay on top of things. Yeah. You've got a lot going on. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. So, in all of this chaos, in all of everything that's going on, I'm going to Disneyland, dude. You're just going to do it? Yeah, we're doing it. Awesome. We, we talked about it yesterday, and um, we're just like, you know what? That. We're doing it. Yeah. We're going to Disneyland. You need to. Yeah. You need to. That's your happy place. Just after everything, and... Everything with health and infertility and yeah. school and work, just all of it. It's like, you know what, dude? This has been three years of rough life. We need to just chill. Yeah. Go back to the happy place. And the last time we went was three years ago. So it's like since the last time we went, it's just been crazy. Yeah. And Gosh, you know, has it been that long? Yeah. And it's interesting because three years ago, you know, we, we kind of signaled that trip is like this is our last trip before we we have a kid Mm because we were certain we were going to you know yeah and then we didn't and it just kept getting more and more depressing and harder and harder and it's like so now we're looking at this one like maybe this is the last one before we get a kid maybe this is you know yeah you just try to be hopeful and try to be more positive but at least for those four days we can just lock into just this fantasy world and mm-hmm. rage. Hey. Dude, I was looking at uh, Google Maps of Disneyland. Because uh, the hotel that we, we are deciding to stay at, dude, it's right across the street from the entrance. Really? Like 100 yards Wow, from Disneyland. Damn. And last time we stayed a mile, we walked a mile every day. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I was just on like Costco travel. And I found, I put together this whole package because it's way cheaper if you do yeah. that. And I looked up where the hotel was and it was right across the street. And I was like, dude, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And we're going, um, so we're going with my nephew and niece and okay. their mom. Awesome. And they're going, I think the plan for them is to come in Monday. Mm-hmm. 
And then we're all going to go to Disneyland Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then all of us leave Saturday. So this won't be your niece's first trip to Disneyland, or will it No, be? it is. It's a it different is. nephew and niece. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, Jen and I are the aunt and uncle of Disneyland. <laughs> so if we have a chance to go with our nephews or nieces, mm-hmm. let us know. We'd love to go. Like, it's so much fun to just... You know, we went for a honeymoon. It was awesome to go as a couple to just experience it mm-hmm. together. But then when you go with a kid for their first time and watching the wonder and just amazement at, at the things that are happening, it's so much fun. That's great. So I'm, exci- I'm so excited for you guys. They're going Monday through Saturday. Jen and I are going Saturday through Saturday. So okay. we're going to stay two extra days, not go to Disneyland those two extra days, but spend some time in California and just relax nice. and chill you guys just deserve us. it thank you i'm excited we're gonna hang excited out relax we're actually doing it we're pulling the trigger we can't wait it's gonna be good um that's another thing i was gonna catch up on is jenny had her first outing what? she's her first outing jenny oh okay um she hasn't really gone out mm-hmm. since surgery um it was my niece's birthday and i didn't tell anybody she was going and my mom was like ecstatic that she was there and yeah. Uh, she hung out and sat around and visited for like two hours and Great. felt good. So she's definitely progressing, definitely getting better, definitely feeling better. So that's awesome. That's it's just exciting because three years of just excruciating pain that that woman went through yeah. to now see her. She's achy and she's sore from surgery, mm-hmm. but it's not like what it was. Yeah. And you can kind of see like, oh, this really actually might turn into like a a quality of life thing, life thing. So we'll see. It's fun. Yeah. It's great. interesting. I'm so happy for you guys that you decided to go to Disneyland. Because I know last week we were talking and you weren't really sure if it was going to yeah. happen. So that's great. I know that I know what that place means to you. Yeah. So yeah. that's really cool. Dude, I'm going to nerd out so hard. I'm such a, This is how much a dork I am, dude. All the things that no longer exist there, but I just love, mm-hmm. I'm buying t-shirts for. So that I can wear there. To, to like stand and be like, F you for changing this. Like uh, Tower of Terror uh-huh. is now uh, a Guardians ride, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and they've changed. They're changing that whole area into Marvel themed. It's going to be epic. Yeah, but they changed the whole Tower of Terror. So the reason Tower of Terror was amazing, the one ma- one of the most amazing things about Disney is they lock you into this world. You could be outside walking through California, Disney Disneyland California Adventure, and just like. You could be on one side of the park and it's like wilderness California feel. You can go to this other park. It's like a pier. You can go to this other area. It's like Bugs Land and everything's larger than you. And then you go into this ride, right? The Hollywood California Tower of Terror. And you're instantly in this world where everything's old and haunted. Mm. And just even the lines immediately take you into a place where you're like, holy crap. I'm actually in a haunted hotel. You're not, but they do yeah. such a good job of the just switching the themes and making you believe where you are. Yeah. And for a ride to kind of set you up as like, this is scary. Mm-hmm. Once you get on the ride, the ride is actually kind of fun, but it is scary. Is it scary because of the tone and the way that they, they've created that environment? Or is it scary because the ride's actually scary? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So they did such a good job of that. And I love it. And now it's like, I haven't been on it since Guardian, so I'm excited to see it. But it's like more, it's just more fun, I think, from what I've done research. It's like, oh my gosh, we're the Guardians. Let's get out of here. And it's more of like a fun escape ride. Yeah, it's kind, where, of, it's kind of campy. Yeah. Too. Where prior it was like meant to scare you. Yeah. I like that. 
So I'm getting a ta- Hollywood Tower Terror shirt because R.I.P. Mm-hmm. And then there was this old like Michael Jackson like 3D show. It was more like a movie. Mm-hmm. No, it was, was it 4D? It was 4D, I think. So the chairs like would move and like would do things that you're sitting in while you're watching this movie. Jen and I went on our honeymoon and we saw, oh, it was called, it's called Captain EO, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? Let's go check this out. They give you 3D glasses. You go watch this movie. It is the corniest thing we had ever seen. Really? But we loved it. We, okay. went, and, we went and watched <laughs> it like three other times. Really? Just because we thought it was so funny. Mm-hmm. There was one part we would laugh at every time. And we're just like, this is the greatest. And it's just Michael Jackson fighting through, flying through space with some Muppets. And then he goes to a world where it's all dark and he has to fight the bad guys. And when he's dancing and doing his dance moves, lasers are shooting out of his like arms and legs. That sounds fantastic. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't, how did you even like, I wonder if like they pitch it to Michael and he was like, I love that. Or if they're like, and he's like, or they pitch it to him and he's like, no, but they're like, we'll pay you lots of money. And he's like, Okay. Dude, <laughs> I don't know. How do you convince someone to do that? Not just George uh just Michael Jackson. George Lucas. That's yeah. Both of them made this. <laughs> it's amazing, oh, dude. Gosh. And they're like the songs from it. Dude. The, have you ever seen West Side Story? Mm, no. Okay, of course you haven't. Why would I even ask you that? <laughs> <laughs> but the gang members are going to fight each other and they're like oh, walking okay, towards yeah. each other I mean, that's, and snapping. That's like, that's like iconic. Right. Like, yeah. So there's almost this moment where like uh, Michael Jackson's like gang of dancers is like dancing up to another mm-hmm. dancing gang and Oof. oh, it's so good. So we, it's Captain EO is amazing and they'll never show it again just because of how controversial Michael Jackson is now and or has been, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they brought it back for a little bit then they took it away and then they brought it back for a honeymoon and we're like, we got to go watch this. Um, but it's not there anymore. So oh. I'm getting a Captain EO shirt too. Nice. But I feel like it's very, Pro- that's protest. very much like a Jake thing. Like, yeah. I'm going to do this because I miss it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Channeling your inner Jake. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I was going to say, dude. So Alex, my niece mm-hmm. and my sister are coming over this weekend to watch Jojo Rabbit. Oh. Yeah. I love that movie. And I've kind of held off watching it cause they're going to come watch it. Yeah. Um, Watching it again. Uh, me watching it again. Okay. They've never seen yeah. it. Um, and so they're like, we've been planning this for like two weeks. They're yeah. going to come over, watch a movie, hang out. Dude, Alex is so adorable. She texts Jen the other day and was like, hey, can I come over like a few, like an hour early or a few hours early and make you guys dinner? Oh, your niece is. Like She's the, the greatest human being I've ever met, dude. <laughs> She's such a sweetheart. Just this 13 year old girl. She's just. Dude, she's a badass. She texted me the other day, her knuckles, Mm -hmm. and they were black and blue. And I was like, what happened? She's like, oh, that's from when I tested for my belt. And then I see this video, and she's like punching through these boards and like kicking through these boards. Her next belt is black belt. Really? Yeah. She's a badass, dude. You should have her on the podcast. I want to. I really want to. I think it'd be fun. Even, even, you know what, dude, you know what she talked to me about? I couldn't believe this. She's so effing smart, dude. We're, and I know everyone says that about, about their kids or about mm-hmm. their, you know what I mean, yeah. about kids they know. But then there's people who are, there are kids who are legitimately geniuses. I She just like, she's so much like me that she's, I think she's the coolest because mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> um, but we're talking about, so I gave her the giver to read 
She had never read it. Okay. And I was like, you got to read this. And then she read it. And then this year they're reading it in school. And she's like, she loves to read. Mm -hmm. And she's like, um, all my classmates are like, what happens? What happens? What does it mean to be released? What does it mean? And she's like, you know, I'm not going to tell them because that's a spoiler, you know? Um, and then she's like, yeah, so we've really been talking about kind of like utopians and dystopians and people and cults who try to create that. They're talking about this in their English class, right? She goes on. Good for that teacher. That's what I'm thinking. I was amazed. Yeah. And she's like, uh, one of the things in this, uh, dystopian world of the giver is you're given a job mm -hmm. from like the age of 11 and you train for that job as an adult and so the teacher as an experiment gave all of the students jobs like mm. they drew jobs and that's the job they had to have that's a really cool lesson plan yeah and she said that her friend is a what is it called a, a, a birther a mother a, a mother child a child mother or whatever it's called okay so they're designed they're they're des the program is designed for them to just have kids so she's like her friend was she told me her friend was so upset that she was a, a child mother or well, I can't remember the term they use. But um, so now she, Alex just keeps her calling her a child mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was telling me she's like, oh, yeah, we were learning about this. Um, this guy who like led this group out into the middle of nowhere. And then he would always like play his voice over a speaker and he would leave the compound. And then, so the people in the compound would still hear their, their voice. So me, the creep that I am, I love cults. I mm -hmm. love serial killers. I love people like that who can, who can manipulate and change just either people or, or just trying to understand the mindset of someone. Right. She's telling me this and I go, are you talking about Jonestown? And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, are you talking about Jonestown? She's like, I don't know. Like she didn't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. Do you know Jonestown? No, is that the Rosh Nisis? No. Okay. Um, no idea. Okay. So Jonestown is a uh, people's temple agri agricultural project better known by Jonestown was a remote settlement established by the people's temple, a cult under the leadership of James Jones in Northwestern Guyana. Is that how you say that? Guyana? What? Africa? Oh, Ghana. Ghana. That's weird. <coughs> I'm an idiot. Is it G-U-Y-A-N-A? G-U-Y? Yeah. How do you say that? <laughs> I don't think that... I've never heard of that country. Oh, wait. No, is that in South America? Dude, we are dumb right now. Where is that? What is it? G-U-Y. <laughs> A-N-A. Hold on. Officially a cooperative republic of... Is a northern mainland of South, is South America. Yeah. It's up top right. Literally have never heard of this country. Are you serious? Yeah. That's terrible. I... I Wow. Well. Guyana. Guyana. That makes sense. That's how it's written. I was thinking Ghana because you were talking like, it sounded like that's what you were trying to pronounce. Well, because you said Ghana, I instantly thought Africa. Yeah. But Guyana. This is in, this is in South. <laughs> wow. Northeast, right? Um, there, it's, it's I, I, don't even, I don't even know where this place is. <laughs> it's right above Brazil. Yeah. On the right. Guyana. Okay. Holy hell. Dude, I'm an idiot. I was thinking that I was just like, oh, I know all of the geographies. And then this, wow. Okay. Guyana. I am a dum-dum. Me too, dude. I'm right here with you. Anyways, so 
She's telling me about this, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Jamestown, James, Jim Jones. And she's like, I don't know. She keeps talking. And I'm sure you've heard of this, Jake. Mm-hmm. He, um, the, um, the settlement became synonymous with the incidents at those locations. In total, 909 individuals in Jonestown, all but two apparent sinus, uh, cyan- cyanide poisoning in an event termed the revolutionary suicide. Jones and some People's Temple members on audio tape of, of the event and prior recorded discussions. So basically, uh, you know the, the reference of like drinking the juice? Mm-hmm. They all drank the juice and poisoned themselves. Damn. Like 909 people. Wow. Because they thought they were going to like move on into mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so she's telling me about this. And I'm like, wait, he Jones didn't drink the juice, though. And she's like, no, I think he did. I'm like, pretty sure he shot himself and killed himself. And then I looked it up and I was like, I know my shit. He did. Everybody else poisoned himself. I'm pretty sure maybe it's a different cult, but they were all wearing like Nikes. Maybe that's a different cult. Hmm. Anyways. So she's learning all this shit in like middle school. Crazy. I mean, I think it's cool because it's, I don't know. I just, they're looking at people attempting to create a utopia mm-hmm. or dystopia. Obviously we're not in dystopia yet. And they, and they find like the pitfalls and that leads us into a book you started reading about trying to create a utopia. Yes. Great. Great segue, dude. What a professional See. <laughs> I may not know where Guyana is or that it even existed. <laughs> okay, so that's gonna haunt my dreams. Dude, I know. I'm like, cut that, you idiot. <laughs> um so I did start reading Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. I'm almost done. Okay. Holy crap, dude. dude. Yeah. Isn't that it's that that book's nuts. Orwell is such a good writer. It is so good. It is so good. And and there's this one part, so I don't know, you know, everybody's been, my grandma has to tell me 18 times that she read it in high school. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, grandma, I didn't graduate high school. I don't read. <laughs> I read, I read it in high school. Yeah, everyone did. Um, <laughs> except for me. Okay, Jake, I get it. I you don't, read it in high school. I don't think they, I don't think they uh, have high school students read that anymore. Really? Yeah. Dude, it is so good i was talking to a couple of high school kids that work part-time at oh, Fisherman's okay. and they, they, just they like had hanging out at a high school and they had never read it um so there's a few things that i just that just really stood out to me other than like just the manipulation mm-hmm. by the pigs to okay. create this utopia right yeah one is early on in the book um Animals take over the farm. They kick the humans out, and they're going to try to create this new society at the farm. And uh, you know, all animals are all equal. animals are equal, right? So instantly, right at the beginning, you can you can tell a turn. There's a, there's a part where the cows are bursting at the seams with milk, and they're like in pain, and they're telling the pigs like, "We have to be milked," and they're like, "All right, all right." So we'll milk the cows. So the 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 pigs milk the cows. And then the chickens are like, hey, what are you doing with the milk? You know, the I can't remember the human's name, but he's like, they're like, he used to put it in our in our feed in the mornings and mix it in with our feed. And it was delicious. And the cows and the pigs are like, no, we're not doing that. They don't really explain it, but mm-hmm. they run off with the milk and the animals are like, well, what what are they doing with the milk then? If they're not going to give it to us like we had prior. Right. Mm-hmm. But you don't really hear about the milk again. Then like a chapter later. 
all the animals are talking about the um, the wind fallen apples mm-hmm. and the freshest apples that fall first, and all the animals are excited, right? Well, then the pigs order all the animals to collect those fresh animals and bring it to their quarters. And you're like, and this is like the first time animals start questioning like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why? Well, what are you guys doing, right? Mm-hmm. But the pigs are the smartest, and they're the leaders of this animal farm. Mm-hmm. They have this part right here. I just love this. This is what... The pigs, Squealer, who basically speaks for yeah. Napoleon. Fuck, screw Squealer. Dude, Squealer is Donald Trump. <laughs> I have a part bookmarked that I'm like, this is our government. Listen, yeah. comrades, you do not imagine, I hope, that we are that we pigs are doing this in a spirit of selfishness or privilege. So you find out that the pigs are collecting the apples and that they've also been drinking the milk. Mm-hmm. So he says... I hope you don't think we are doing this in the spirit of selfishness and privilege. Many of us actually dislike milk and apples. I dislike them myself. Our sole object in taking these things is to preserve our health. Milk and apples, this has been proved by science comrades, contain substances absolutely necessary for the well-being of a pig. We pigs are brain workers. The whole management and organization of this farm depends on us. Day and night we are watching over your welfare. It is for your sake that we drink the milk and eat the apples. Do you know what would happen if we pigs failed in our duty? Jones would come back. That's the human. Mm -hmm. Yes, Jones would come back. Surely, comrades. Surely there is no one among you who wants to see Jones come back. I'm doing this. I don't want to be doing this. Do you know how much of a burden Mm -hmm. this is? But I must for your sake. Yeah. I didn't need to be president, but I'm doing it for your sake. Squealer, chapter... This is the part I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Just this notion of like, I'm the smartest. I'm burdened with being smarter than everybody, guys. Mm -hmm. Chapter five. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Comrades. This is Squealer again. I trust that every animal here appreciates... The sacrifice that Comrade Napoleon has made in taking this extra labor upon himself. Do not imagine, comrades, that leadership is a pleasure. On the contrary, it is a deep and heavy responsibility. No one believes more firmly than Comrade Napoleon that all animals are equal. He would be only too happy to let you make your own decisions for yourselves. But sometimes you might make the wrong decisions, comrades. And then where should we be? No, no. Oh my word! Got to the point where Squealer, like, because, no. because the Constitution's written up on the barn wall. Oh. About um. And then in the middle of the night, sleeping like, in beds. Yeah. Yeah. Where like he's cha- like he's changing the words of the Constitution yes. on the barn wall, or like whatever the creed is that they all wrote. Yeah. Like all the animals wrote the about, first day. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. wrote no animals shall sleep in a bed, mm-hmm. and the pigs start sleeping in the house. And then they start sleeping in the beds. And I can't remember what character it is, but she was like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure we said no sleeping in beds. And she goes and looks at the Constitution, and it says, no animals shall sleep in beds with sheets. (laughs) So as she's reading it, one of the pigs comes over, and the analogy of the dogs Mm-hmm. That were raised by the pigs to be like their army. Yeah. 
oh, he comes over with the dogs and they're like, what's up? And then she's like, oh, I'm just reading it. And he's like, you didn't think it said that we couldn't sleep in beds now, did you? It says beds with sheets. So we sleep between the blankets. We got rid of the sheets. Dude, it is so good. It is. Have you got to the point with, with Boxer after the wind, after they build the wind, windmill? No, they haven't built the windmill yet. Okay. Wait. No. So they started building the windmill, and uh, it had gotten destroyed overnight, and they're mm-hmm. blaming Snowball, who they kicked out of the compound yeah. for wanting mm-hmm. to build the windmill. Yeah. Even that, dude, two liter pigs, mm-hmm. and one suggesting one thing, the other suggesting the other, and then the other protests the idea of building a windmill. Even though, So Napoleon protests the idea of building a windmill, and, and Snowball wants to build the windmill to create electricity, mm-hmm. create a means so that they can all live, and Napoleon opposes it and then gets the animals to kick Snowball out for wanting to build this windmill, and then afterwards says, hey, we're going to build a windmill. Mm-hmm. Just turning them on him for his personal gain. Yeah. Dude. But what happens to the boxer is tragic. Is he the horse? He's, he's the horse. Okay. Oh, um, don't tell me that. I'm, I won't say anything. Because he's the hardest this, worker at the this, farm. This book doesn't end happy. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's a, it's a metaphor for the rise of communism. Yeah, in absolutely. Russia, but. Dude, even talking about the spread and, and the... Um, the spread of animal farm, mm-hmm. animal, what do they call it? Animalism? Yeah. The spread of animalism. So they have uh, pigeons going to other farms to spread the news or spread the ideas of animalism and how there was this idea of not wanting, you know, influence from the humans to mm-hmm. change the culture or the idea of animalism. Um, oh, but then they open their trade. They're like, one thing, one of the rules in the Constitution is no trade. But then, of course, the farm can't sustain on only what they have, mm-hmm. so they start opening trade to humans. Yeah, dude, it's so good. I'm such a nerd for this. Damn you! I know. <laughs> and then you you read this, and then you watch Chernobyl, like, and then you watch that HBO miniseries right. Chernobyl, yeah. and you and you see like how just information just gets spun, and it's just all about protecting, like the image of the pigs or the image of like the, the, the government. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know. It's, it's a phenomenal book. I want to reread it. It's been such a long time since I've read it, but well, even, even the fact that like you're talking about, you know, you say it's like a, a metaphor for communism, but it's a metaphor for totalitarian, like totalitarianism. There's a lot of lessons in there. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're talking about even just the manipulation of the rules mm-hmm. or the constitution. Yeah. No, it's, it's not, like it's totalitarianism like in communism like fascism all of that it's just like it's still it's just same side of the it's just different sides of the same coin right it's it's control um it's all about just con- it's all about control yeah it just manifests slightly different it's, in each one of those totalitarian style regimes but no it, it's beautiful it's beautifully written yeah um it makes me want to write it really does <laughs> yeah or Orwell is um, Orwell is so good with his pointed critiques. There was a couple that I a couple other things I read from him. Mm-hmm. Um, one was it's called "The Shoot an Elephant," and it's um, his critique of British imperialism in India, mm-hmm. and it's really really good because he uses this metaphor of killing an elephant as like um, 
Interesting. With his time, and because he spent time in India, and then like that really made him an anti-imperialist and anti, you know, anti-colonialist, and how that manifested in his like writing. It's really, really good. That he sounds such, awesome. He does such a good job with it, and it's yeah. it's not even a book. It's literally just like, well, I guess To Kill an Elephant is kind of a book, but there's like a there's like a really really prominent passage in it that kind of sums up the whole thing. But it's um yeah, you should look that up. It's called yeah, I to, am. to Kill an Elephant, Shooting an Elephant, Shoot an Elephant. That's yeah, right. dude, I read it in college, but. I love it. I love it. I need to read more of his work. One of the, the foreword to the Animal Farm was talking about how, you know, every word was very specific to him and he used words intentionally mm-hmm. and just the choice of words. You're just like, there's moments where I'm like, you know, I love when an author or anyone can make you, you know, I, I think I talked about this before, but we're just like, I am specifically, I love like a savage burn or like a good burn. I love a zinger, right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm reading and I can see the intention behind w- the ending of a sentence and you're just like, damn, that was a zinger like that. Not a zinger intent, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the f- traditional form, but that is he is making a point right there yeah. and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I want to create like that. I wish I could create like that. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, but that's that's an all-time that's an all-time author right there. That doesn't like, mean I can't create like I, that. I know. I'm Dude, just <laughs> I was honestly thinking you and I could write something. We could write a fantasy that reflects fears that we have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the same sense that this does. But not not the same idea. I mean, you could literally write if we wrote, you could take today's politics and the fears that we have and the fears around the world of what we see as far as in populism or in South America and write animal farm reflecting populism. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I just think I think there could be I don't know, I think with your knowledge and my creativity, we could make something real good. Okay. Let's talk that out. Yeah. I think it would be awesome. It would be awesome. And then we just May whatever it is, whatever the medium is, mm-hmm. it'd be fun. Yeah, I don't know. Just okay. thinking, just yeah. thinking. Uh, amazing book. I can't wait to finish it. Um, if you haven't read it, you have to read it. You have to read it. I mean, and, and even if you're not into politics, like, or or I don't know. I, I hate saying that, even though you're not into politics, because people say that they're not into politics, right? Someone will say, "I'm not into politics," and this is where I'm transitioning right now into mm-hmm. the next topic, but. Okay. People say, I'm not into politics, right? I don't care about politics. But then they get their primary voter ballot in the mail and they're livid that you have to check whether you're Democrat or Republican. Hmm. Why is the government forcing me to choose a side? It's a primary. Jake, I know. (laughs) I know you know. They're losing their minds. I've seen it. So my buddy posts like... um, what do you guys think about this? I think it's pretty messed up that we're forced to choose a side and then vote either this or that. Why are they making us choose? Honestly, I don't affiliate with any party, but it's making me choose one. And then I read the comments and I just commented like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then I posted, why? And they're like, that. They're like, I still hate that they make that we have to choose. I'm like, dude, you're voting within a party. Mm-hmm. And they don't want you voting on both sides. So you're cl- declaring like these are the candidates in this party and in this voting structure. And I'm voting for this one in this one mm-hmm. in this party. And, th- and they still don't like it. And I was like, listen, 
I, I commented this. I'm such a douche. <laughs> I said, if only you had a friend who had created an educational show that explained a lot of these concepts. And then I posted like three episodes from To The Republic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Good plug. It's there. Yeah. We make that for a reason. Mm-hmm. There are, and we're not the only resource. Yeah. There, I, I posted the one about voting. Yeah. Democratic norms. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the one about creating a republic? Creating a republic. A democracy. Oh, uh, democratic structures? Yes. Okay. And then I, put, I sent that one. Because mm-hmm. we talk kind of about voting and like... <gasps> right. Yeah. In that. We don't specifically talk about primaries, but mm-hmm. there are reasons that these structures are in place. Yeah. I mean, it's all manifestation of our, like, of, of our two, of our, the two-party system that isn't if that is a byproduct of how our voting rules are set up. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And I think we talked about no in voting. We talked about first past the post. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's systemic, right? And if you don't like it, let's advocate to change it. There's no, right. there's nothing in our constitution that says we have to vote a certain way. Right. But that's just the way we've always been done. We've been socialized in it, so it's incredibly hard to change because we just think that that's how it is and that's how it's always going to be. But it doesn't have to be. That's why I posted democratic norms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I. Well, since I've been off of Facebook, I haven't seen any of that stuff. Oh, yeah. So, How is your world right now? Dude, I don't miss it. I really don't miss it. And I'm reading just as many articles as I read when I... Because that was my biggest fear. I'm like, I have just quick access to anything new that all of my favorite publications Mm -hmm. post. And all I got to do is just click on them when they come up. Instead of me having to go search for them. But then it got to the point where like that wasn't even like a... that was the only thing keeping me there. And then it wasn't enough to keep me there. Right. So then all I did is I just went and downloaded the apps to all of my favorite publications. And then I just, I just, every single day I click on it, scroll through, see if there's anything that's, that's interests me or, you know, piques my interest. I want to read. And there it is. But, um, yeah, anyway, uh, back to your topic. I don't mean to get off on a side tangent. The, yeah, I don't know. It, it is interesting. It's funny because Washington has never made you declare. They're not technically making you declare, right? right? In in um, but you just have to pick a side, and you can only mark one out of each box. But it's funny that because it's different, mm-hmm. it's getting pushback. Yeah, just because it's different. Yeah, that is interesting. They want to break norms, but then when a norm is broken, they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! What is this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I. Uh, it's interesting. It's it's funny to me that. Uh, I, I guess you haven't seen any of that because it's out there. It is. And people I, mean, are I can about it. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I know the Vancouver City Council is going to like a ranked choice voting to determine the council seats, mm. and that. Like you were talking about last week. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I like that. It's that's starting right. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't start at a mass. Change doesn't generally happen in the United States, especially in like in a re- representative democracy like uh, like ours are ours is at the federal level right away. It right. starts at the ground. It starts at the local level, and then it you know then you'll see, maybe see you'll see a state change to rank choice, and then maybe it'll eventually it'll lead to the federal federal government. It's going to be a long period of change. We'll probably you and I will probably actually never really see a massive fundamental change in our voting in our voting rules. I don't know. We still have a long way to go. Right. We might. Right. But hmm. yeah, primaries are interesting. I wish 
if I could change one thing mm-hmm. about them, like if someone came to me and was like, Jake, we're going to do this, what do you think? I would make all primaries. I would, I would do away with caucuses for one. Okay. And then I would make all primaries on the same day. Enough of this, like two weeks, like Iowa, and then two weeks later you have New Hampshire, and then, then you have Nevada and South Carolina, and then you have this thing called Super Tuesday, where it's that's supposed to be like where all of the big primaries happen. That's, that's next Tuesday, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. And then you have Super Tuesday, and then but then you have all of these other states that are just like I think ours, like Washington's, is in May, isn't it? I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a bit. Let me, I'll look it up. It's a it's a ways away. I don't know why we're stringing all of this out. Have it just on one day. Pick your nominee and then move on. <laughs> I I just I don't I don't know why we. No, it's March. It's Tuesday, March tenth. It, it is ours is March tenth. That's what it says. I don't know what I was reading then. Dude, you didn't even know where Guyana was. That's true. <laughs> Me neither. I have no authority here. Oh, I have no authority here. Anyway, so yeah. I need that's to, what you do, okay. huh? I need to check my box then. What? For Washington's primary. What do you mean? If ours is March 10th. Yeah. Then I need to hurry up. And you didn't do it? I haven't done it yet. <sighs> I don't know who I'm going to vote for. I was. I wouldn't watch. I was like, I want to sit Uh-oh. down and watch the debate two nights ago. <gasps> yeah. Um. The one in South Carolina, right? And I was like, I want to, I want to. This is going to help me determine because I'm between two candidates. Okay. And then I was even like more confused after that because the guy like I'm was kind of my front runner. Yeah. In a, in a debate that spent 30 minutes on foreign policy, an area that he should excel in, didn't. I was really. But is that one instance? That's true, but okay. you have to consider electability. In our voting system. Okay, so I like that you say that. So you're considering electability, right? Yeah. Why don't you just say, fuck it, this is who I'm voting for. Why are you considering electability? Because we were talked about this last, we talked about this last episode. Okay. In that the, the moderate vote is being split between four candidates. Yes. So if I just vote my heart, I'm contributing to that splitting of the moderate vote. So I may not like, I may prefer right. Biden over Buttigieg. Okay. I'll stop with this mysterious, like, oh, who are the two <laughs> people that I like? Um, yeah. But Buttigieg has been performing better. Right. Right. That's and interesting. I, and I would rather see Buttigieg than Bernie. I get you. So all things equal. Yeah. I'll vote for the most electable. And even if they're not slightly, even like I'm just waiting what I see in a candidate. And unfortunately, because of first past the post voting and then how all of this stuff is set up, electability is a major factor in how you make your decision. Hmm. What are you determining what electability is defined by? Success. Hmm. But doesn't that excess co- success constantly change day by day? Especially in the polls, like this guy's leading. No, this guy's actually leading over here. And especially if the vote yeah, is split between the moderates. Yeah, but there's been such a precipitous drop in Biden's popularity. Okay. Like that dude, fin- he finished fourth in Iowa and fourth in New Hampshire. And then he came a distant second in Nevada. Like I'm talking 19% to Bernie's 40 something. Okay. And he barely beat the other candidates. I mean, there was like four candidates all meshed in that teens. Right. So it wasn't like he re- like he just 
who came in second in that primary did not matter. Right. I mean, well, it never matters. Second place doesn't matter. It does in primary in some okay, primaries well, and caucuses, right. but I mean, because overall. they don't they don't all dealt not every state allocates all of its delegates. Yeah. But so second place can have a lot for momentum, right? Like a second place finish in Iowa for Donald Trump was a massive like uh, thing. Even though he lost to Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. everybody talked about Trump finishing second. Why? Because he wasn't he wasn't supposed to do that well, right? I get what you're saying. In those, in that, that's why I hate this drawn out primary process. Is because it does change week to week, and then you're, you're like, it's all these different narratives that are getting spun <laughs> and all that and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like if you're you just do yours March 10th, just have it one day, all 50 one day. Right. The federal government can regulate that. They can set the standard and say primaries are all going to be on this day. All right. What do you think the results of that would be? If all that information came in on once at that day, imagine the the buildup and lead up to that day, what that would look like. Yeah. Opposed to like one one primary and then a shift and now adapting different candidates, adapting or changing their methods to try to either increase their Mm -hmm. chances or you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, they're all trying to increase their chances, but I mean, just the 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 way that they change. Yeah, I think it would help um, keep good candidates that can't fundraise at the level of the big machines, Mm -hmm. give them a legit shot at being the nominee. I think it'd become more about message. Mm. Okay. So think about this. If you got, you have a person who has a really good message. I think Amy Klobuchar has a great message. She can't fundraise. I'm surprised she's still able to stay in this race. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how she's still like, she's (laughs) still in it. Yeah. Just money wise. That costs a lot of money to go around and campaign. The the big look at I mean if Bloomberg wouldn't like his, his his you can't go anywhere without hearing a Bloomberg ad right he's completely self funding that right he would I think having it all in one day where it's just one shot I think it would greatly kneecap his ability to to have that sustaining power because the longer he stays in it the more people are start to think well you know um, he definitely has the ability to to be here so right. I want I want maybe I'll give him a look versus like I got to make a choice by today. And I want to, I want to, I want to choose this particular candidate because they they align more with my with my beliefs mm-hmm. than saying, well, that guy has the money to at least to go against Trump or something like right, that. I, I think right. that it changes how having this drawn out one favors the this drawn out process one favors um, the, the the candidates with the most amount with the most amount of money mm-hmm. and and it devalues message more than it would if you had it on one single day. Right. I might be completely wrong Maybe, on that, yeah. but I just have been thinking about this a lot because, <clears throat> man, I don't like... The, I just am so tired of the choices. There's a lot of good people who just... In the Republicans in 2016, there was a lot of good people with really good messages that just didn't have staying power because they didn't... That's a long... Pro, like you're, right. This is like a three-month primary process right. where you're just going around to state to state to state just That's hoping true. to keep getting money in. To stay afloat long enough, right. and you hope that you get noticed, versus all on one day. Mm-hmm. And how? But how early is that day, or how late is that day? I think you would. I, okay, so just spitballing. <laughs> what it, so, yeah. so the the Iowa caucuses are late January, early February, right? right. Okay. Um, and then the last one, I think, is the, the last one. I don't know where. Like Maine is probably. I think somewhere in like. April, May. Okay. You just take the midpoint of all of those Mm -hmm. and that's your day. Okay. So maybe mid-March. Right. Okay. 
Because Super Tuesday used to... I, I can remember watching the primaries. In Super Tuesday, like 30 states had their primaries or caucuses on Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much determined who was going to be the... Although there was a couple on the other side, and you had right. Iowa and New Hampshire early, but there was like the vast majority. Now, <clears throat> in 2016, the Democrats only had like 12 states on Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like that doesn't really matter. You still have so much campaigning to do on the backside of that. <clears throat> Plus, it hurts the candidate too. I mean, not not like it hurts challenging a candidate versus an incumbent because an incumbent. Trump's not going. Trump's not having to spend any of his war chest campaigning right now against other no. Republicans. None. But by the time Bernie or whoever is the eventual nominee gets to Trump, he has had to go through, he has had to slog through months of primary battles, spending half of his, half or more of his war chest Mm -hmm. just to get to that point. Right. And he's battered and beaten and bruised by the time he gets there. Versus like one time, boom, one one election day in the primaries, that guy's picked. Now he's got six months, six, seven months to run a campaign against the incumbent. Mm, or gal or yeah or gal sorry i just am pretty much reserved to the fact that it's gonna be bernie sanders so i just keep using a guy pronoun yeah but it's gonna be Mm -hmm. yeah south carolina is the only is the only shot that biden has to get somewhat back in this right right okay all right that was uh Sorry. No, don't. Why would you ever apologize? I like uh, your. I, don't I like hearing your ideas and suggestions. Not saying they're right or wrong, but I like hearing them. Okay. Sure. They're thoughts that are out there now, and you have to consider them, listener. <laughs> uh, so tell me about Hunters. The the movie. Is it uh, a movie? No, sorry. It's an Amazon Prime series. It's a show. It's a show. Okay. It's not a movie. Okay. Sorry. So you text me and you're like. It, the, the oh my episode, god! The episode, I want to talk about this show. The episodes are so long uh-huh. that they feel like movies. Are they that long? They're very. They well, they may not be that long, but they feel long. Also, are you only watching this because Josh Radner's in it? No, he's <laughs> terrible in it. Is he? I, that man cannot act. Duh. He's terrible. <laughs> oh, that's he, funny. He ru- almost ruins the show. If he Whoa. had, if he had a bigger role in it, I don't think I could watch it. I watched the trailer, and it's like he's the master of disguise. Not really. Well, that's what they. He's a promote he, him as is the in the trailer. Really? Okay. Well, they they promoted him wrong then. Okay. Which is kind of fitting. The writing on the show kind of sucks. It switches tones randomly throughout, and okay. it, it tries to be funny. But serious, and it doesn't work. Okay, this is not a good show. I just wanted to talk. Oh, I didn't. I just wanted to talk about. This it looked show. good. It's not. It, it's not. Oh, okay. But I'm only halfway through it. It may get better. <sighs> okay. But I kind of like the the. I don't know. Kind of the JoJo Rabbit tone. Something about like the culture that Nazism created. Right. Is really fascinating to me. Okay. On one, so like I kind of like shows with that feel. Um, just synopsis real quick. Okay. Not uh, So the show is called Hunters. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon Prime. It's a show. Um, Nazi hunters discover hundreds of high-ranking Nazi officials in 1977 New York City. Conspiring to create a Fourth Reich in the U.S., the hunters set out to bring Nazis to justice and thwart their new genocidal plans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so continue. Yeah. So... The reason why I wanted to talk about this is really not because of the show itself. Okay, right. um, it's more to do with 
historical the use of his overly dramatic historical rep, like representations mm-hmm. of things that really happened to and like and what's what what kind of effect does that have the overuse well not the overuse but like the over dramatic dramatization uh-huh. of it in showing things that didn't happen right to like try to make a point so i'll, I'll elaborate okay there's a there's please, a please do there's a scene early in this and i'm not gonna i won't spoil it but i could i'll talk about the scene if okay. you, you don't want to if you plan on the watching and you don't want to listen fast forward but the uh Ooh. there's a scene where they're talking about this one german um officer that they're trying to hunt he had right. escaped he was like one of the commanding officers at auschwitz um concentration camp and they're talking um al pacino who's like the the head of this um group of uh, Jewish people that are hunting down these these ex-German officers is talking and he's telling like the young protagonist about this guy and he's like he was a chess he was a he always wanted to be a chess master in Germany before the war and he would always lose to this chess grandmaster who was a who was a Jewish person well when the war starts that Jewish person gets put into Auschwitz and this guy is now the this German is now the officer there so he's right. like he, his whole goal is to torment this guy that always beat him. Mm-hmm. And so what he, he did, and it's, it's really elaborate with imagery and how Al Pacino is setting this up. And it, it, and what it ended up, what ends up happening, like they end up showing this is that like off in the woods away from the camp, this German officer made the, this human chessboard and he was having this Jewish grandmaster play him but with real people, and then it forced the, the Jew, whoever the Jews were as the pieces, like the concentration camp prisoners as the pieces. And then anytime like a piece was taken, that piece had to like slash the throat of the other gotcha. person. It's horrifying I could to see look where at. That was going. It's terrible, yeah. absolutely horrible. And he talked about how it, it eventually led, eventually the, the the Jewish grandmaster chess player like goes and tries to like, kill the person, and he ends up dying anyway. But it's interesting because that didn't happen. Right. Right. But it invokes so much like anger and so much emotion in the viewer. And you're like, wow, that was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. What, regardless if that happened or not, that's horrible. I'm sure stuff like that did happen. Right. But the Auschwitz society, like historical society, like the, the, the society that's in basically runs the Auschwitz Memorial um, and does all the record keeping and historical mm-hmm. work around that concentration camp came out and just just wrote a scathing critique mm-hmm. of this show for the use of that imagery mm-hmm. saying that their 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 over dramatization actually hurts the cause mm-hmm. saying that it it by showing things that didn't happen and things to that like things like just to sell like a story right helps make people more susceptible to um holocaust denier it helps breed more deniers um they made they lovely lovely this that that claim and saying like they they shouldn't be doing like they shouldn't be doing that we denounce this as the auschwitz society we didn't we denounce the use of that imagery to to talk about this we the historians they didn't use they didn't call themselves historians but like us we're the ones doing the we're the ones doing the real work to preserve what actually happened to these people, and it's horrific enough that you don't have to go and make stuff up about it. Right. Essentially, like that's the gist of it. They said it a lot more eloquently than that. For sure. So it got me thinking. 
because you and I both like film and both of us like stories and storytelling, but we're also students of history. Yes. And I think it's interesting to me because the, the, the writer of this, of hunters for Amazon prime shot back and said, Hey, I'm Jewish myself. And I think that even though this is an over dramatization, it helps show the level of depravity and in how awful that was for like our people. And he's like, I think it actually promotes um, awareness of the Holocaust. Okay. Because it, it, it forces people to have to reckon with just ab- because there's people who are like, it's hard to like, you can watch a documentary and then you just think that it's, it's hard to think that those are people who just, um, those are people that lived and had hopes and had dreams. It's, it, it, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more sanitized versus watching something like that on your screen, even if it didn't actually happen, it's so much more dramatic and invokes so much more emotion. And he was saying like, I actually think it, it helps promote Holocaust awareness. Interesting. So like you have these competing, like you have both of these people can criticizing each other. Right. And I'm thinking like, of course I, me as like the his, history major, I want to read factual information yes but i almost wonder if it's like if it is it just stuffy because it's like those people like probably nobody when was the last time someone actually there's no like more people are going to watch hunters than would ever visit the hulk like the auschwitz (laughs) museum's like website right and i wonder if it's just a bunch of stuffy historians saying well we want we're just we're their anger is their anger really derived from like we don't think that it's helping or it's like they're doing our they're doing our jobs right in a worse way i don't know if it like I don't know what I just does anything I'm saying. Oh yeah. I got all the ideas. Okay. Hit me Um, with some of your ideas. Cause I'm just rambling at this point. No, no, no. You're, you're setting this up. Um, hold on. Let me pull this up real quick. Just so I have this here as a reference also. Um, Oh yeah. So good. Okay. So, um, I think, I think I can see both sides of the arguments, right? Mm -hmm. From Auschwitz and from the, the writer, right? Um, I think you bring up a great point, and this is something that I've referred back to a lot um, on this podcast, but also in reference to history. There's a lot of times where you're watching a documentary, or you read a sentence or a paragraph, and it you use the word sanitized, and I think that's a good word, but it kind of just lessens the hum, human elements of some mm-hmm. of the things we read about. That's a good point, yeah. So... When you read a paragraph about what happened at Auschwitz, you're like, oh, my God. But seeing a character who and, and I'm not sure this is how the scene goes, but in other films, you see a character who you kind of you see nuance, you see personality, mm-hmm. you see emotion. Now you see them go through an extreme thing that didn't happen, but it reflects kind of the paragraph you read. Mm-hmm. This didn't happen, but maybe things kind of like this happened. Like that paragraph you read. It has a different emotional response, I think, mm-hmm. right? This is communications for me right now. Okay. And I'm going to get into this a little <laughs> okay. bit. All right, but awesome. Like McCollum says, the medium is the message, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So if we're watching a TV show that's written to entertain, but also to inform if that's what the author says, the medium is the difference, right? Mm-hmm. You read a paragraph, the medium is much different. When you're reading, you're not hearing anything. You're you're seeing it, right? So you're it, there's different. When you're watching a show, you're having your ears 
intake information and your eyes intake information, right? Mm-hmm. When you're reading, it's just your eyes. So that I can't help but think about how does that change the way that we learn, right? So I think Auschwitz has a point in this fantasization of it, like mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. But I also think about sometimes when you're when you're watching a documentary or you're reading something, it can be sanitized. You're just like, oh, this is a fact. Now, people who have studied history, we or people who enjoy history and read history, I think mm-hmm. that those people try to try to incorporate that human element that may might be lacking from just reading a paragraph. You're trying to maybe sometimes even put yourself into those positions so that you can read it. Um, even 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 work uh, uh, locally that you and I kind of have both helped. This idea of recognizing underrepresented communities. You do that by putting your by learning about them mm-hmm. and putting yourself in their position, right? Yeah. I think that that's harder to do sometimes maybe when you're reading or you're watching a documentary. Um, even even walking through a museum exhibit sometimes, mm-hmm. it, that might be sanitized just because of the imagery that – or the, the things that did happen at Auschwitz or things like Auschwitz might be so – not might be, are so disturbing to see. Who's going to want to put that in a museum? You know what I mean? Instead of showing something that might happen, you might write it. Yeah. That changes the way that it affects us. Sure. As the viewers. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the difference I see in the creation of a show and the argument of like we have a museum, we have documents, we have sh- other shows yeah. that you can watch that explain what actually happened and 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 whatever right so mm-hmm. when you talk about the hunters i think about inglorious bastards yeah right mm-hmm. very campy funny show about nazi hunters yeah. right yeah. and in the end of the movie they kill hitler spoilers <laughs> which doesn't happen in real life right course, yeah so people see that and i think almost the the death of hitler kind of flips the movie to say like listen nazis are terrible the idea of nazi hunters is great but this is not intended to be taken seriously because obviously it's mm-hmm. historically inaccurate, yeah. right? Um, but I think what might appease both worlds or please both worlds okay. is: Have you seen Twelve Years a Slave? No. Okay. Wow. There are things, scenes, and imagery in that sh- in that movie that I've read about in African-American history and African history, mm-hmm. the horrific, the horrific, disgusting things you read about. Sometimes in our, in our books, in our historical books, they put great detail in just how disgusting humans can be. In 12 Years a Slave, there's a creation of a character and a world that now you're kind of looking at going, holy crap, this actually happened. And the use of humans as chess and like that's that's big on the scale of like creating mm-hmm. something that didn't happen. Yeah. Whereas Twelve Years a Slave, the I don't know, man. You read, I've read about you know slave owners who I don't know. You see slave owners interacting with slaves, whipping slaves brutally, mm-hmm. and putting that imagery to maybe a paragraph you've read. That transitions better. Then here are the atrocities of the Holocaust. Here is Inglorious Bastards. Here is Hunters, right? Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The transition, it doesn't, 
I can see how the Holocaust is like it doesn't equal up. It doesn't match up. Yeah. You have this fantastical version and you have the reality. And I see in your art, if we want to call the show art, right? Mm-hmm. Which is I'm sure how the, the creator or writer views it. Art ref- imitating life, right? But there's a disconnect there. Yeah. If you watch 12 Years a Slave, there are so many elements to that movie that I've read about in historical documents. Mm-hmm. So the transition is smoother, yeah. especially if you've done the background reading. Sure. You read about slavery. You read about uh, Africans in America and African Americans. Mm-hmm. And you, you see a movie like that and you're just like, it hits different. Sure. It hits way different. Yeah. Whereas if you're looking at Hunters and you see a scene, you're like, my first thought is, did that really happen? And then say, I think they have a great point when you when you talk when they talk about it possibly promoting the idea of Holocaust deniers, mm-hmm. because you put something that didn't happen in a scene or that we don't have proof happened, and then say somebody's like, I'm interested now in the Holocaust and I want to learn about it. Say they dedicate their whole lives to to being a historian of the Holocaust and researching and mm-hmm. like they find out that that doesn't happen. I'm not saying they're going to become Holocaust deniers instantly, yeah. but it changes the way that you view it. You're like, oh, okay, nothing like that happened. This is terrible and it's horrible, but why would some, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just the the connect is not there is yeah. what I'm saying I, overall. Yeah, I get it. Um, I 100% see what you're saying. And for me, it's like, I, I wonder, because I was kind of on the same thing. I, I think that I think they can be self, because you're going on kind of like, they can be, both of these things can be self, like reinforcing to each other. Right. Um, but you and I also have, a background in history to where we know we have somewhat of an understanding going into watching shows like this. Where that's we're true. Like, I know that's not real, but I do know what happened and what happened was terrible in and of itself. And I can right. just sit here and, and, and I can sit here and somewhat enjoy what I'm like, not in, obviously not enjoy that right. scene, but right. I can sit here and, and watch that as like an entertain as thing yeah. of entertainment and still be able to bifurcate that. Yeah. Where as someone who is, I don't know, like, like say somebody who's really really young who doesn't have any sort of, um, who doesn't have any sort of uh, training in history or doesn't really know anything about a the Holocaust, a reference, reference, and they watch that and then they find out that that didn't that didn't happen and they start to question like, well, you know, is the media just lying? Is the media just lying to me? Right. And then maybe it's not going to happen on a widespread, but I I think it, it it can have an effect if the if the person's own worldview that they're that they live in with their own culture or whatever sees that this was this was made up and they're like okay well then what else is what else is made up what else is just an over dramatization right. was the holocaust really actually that really actually that bad right and then you hear government like literally governments who were who were trying to rewrite history saying that it didn't happen mm-hmm. like that's why I, I like the 12 years to slave as an example cuz you're seeing something that happened and you're like i'm going to go research that to see if that happened and there's evidence there to mm-hmm. show that is this character real? No, probably not. Yeah. But the elements that are included in his life story in this film mm-hmm. are things that you find historically. Yeah. There's a there's a slave owner who who shows uh if I'm recalling this right it's been a while but it, you see a little bit of sympathy or you see um some there 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 is there are element human elements of the slave owners that you see where you're just like, "Oh, this is just a, a human in this world who just doesn't know any better, right? Mm-hmm. N- now it sounds like I'm sympathizing with slave owners, but 
there's nuance there. You can see it. And if you're like, are there any slave owners that were ever sympathetic or, or, or actually, you know what I mean? Almost victims of the time, which I don't want to use that term, but I'm using that term. You're just like, you could see how. I know this is coming off way wrong than no, I mean no, no. it. But, I, I know exactly what you're saying, but but then you read the historical documents, and there's evidence there of people who might have been like that, or you see somebody who's like in the film. You, I think it's in the film. You see somebody who's like, if if the culture, if the world would have allowed it, he would have treated these people different. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. So they're the only reason they're behaving this way is because. That's the world they were raised up. That's what they were taught. That's what they were indoctrinated to think. Mm-hmm. So, but then you almost see like there's a human there and they're like, oh, wait, this is also another human and they're thinking differently. Mm-hmm. There's that nuance, right? But there's also historical evidence that shows like there were people who at least fronted to be slave owners who were actually helping people. Yeah. Right? You get what I mean? Yeah. So there's things in that movie. There's brutal whippings. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is about a freedman who gets captured and put into slavery. In the United States, yeah. that whole premise is based on historical facts. Mm-hmm. And then you see the things of his life and his family and being separated and being auctioned. And there's just so many elements of that film may not have all happened to one character. But if you were to go, did this ever happen? You Google it. You research it. You look at historical documents. There's evidence of these things happening. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Did a Nazi ever play chess with victims at? Auschwitz maybe there's historical evidence but I mean it just seems a little fantasized yeah for the, for the show it is right it, I mean and it is and he even admits that like the, the writer admits that it is fantasized I don't know I just Holocaust denying is a major issue and as, as we get more and more removed and the people there's hardly anybody left alive who went through that right and now I start to wonder how is history how is history in the modern era, especially with how much f- misinformation is out there and how susceptible we are as a society to it? Mm-hmm. Look at our last election. The, I, I worry about how the Holocaust is going to be told generations from now. Right. And as we start to, we, we don't have that. The only primary sources that we have are now written, not ver- vocal there's really no one you can go and talk to now who survived. Like there's really no survivors left alive right. at this point. There's, Ooh, there are a few scary. and what kind of, what kind of, um, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I, I fear for, I fear for how this, these lessons are going to, cause we're already forgetting so many lessons. Right. And I, I, I wonder how long it's going to take if we don't aren't, if we aren't careful at preserving factual information, Mm-hmm. Um, and we keep promo- and then we keep promote we keep promoting dramatizations like this show Hunters. What the what kind of effect does that have on? And it may not have a bad effect. It may actually help keep the story of the of the Holocaust alive and how terrible it was. But it, it could I think it I, I see both sides point to this, right. which is why I wanted to talk about it mm-hmm. um, because like I don't know like Treblinka, which is was was a death camp in Poland. Treblinka too, when when um, when the German soldiers knew that the Russians were were advancing, burned down Treblinka completely, mm-hmm. and the Holocaust deniers today use that as evidence of see, like it's burned down. It's not. It didn't actually exist, and Whoa. so you can't prove exactly what Treblinka was. Right. And so it's just stuff. It's just you can give all it takes is a little bit like 
it doesn't take much for those Holocaust deniers to, to latch onto it and create their own their own versions and right. their own narratives. And I, I think that if you open the door even a little bit, it, it does it it, it could have a true it could have a exponential effect. Right. So that's my con- that's my concern. I hope that was an interesting conversation for everybody, but it was something that's really been racking my brain because I don't want to be this stuffy academic that says anything that's not factual shouldn't be <laughs> right, out there. Right. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, what's the what is the uh, the what's the effects that over dramatization can have? Right. Okay. I want to just clarify that I wasn't sympathizing with Nazis or slave owners. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly what you were doing. Yeah. Okay. So now that you're saying that, though, in the transition, mm-hmm. I think one that you're talking about the two arguments. One last thing I want to say is yeah. like, um, again, with Twelve Years a Slave, because that's the example I'm using. Um, you read, you read the horrific things that slaves went through, right? Mm-hmm. But now you're seeing it in a film right yeah. and it's and that film is reflecting the histor- the history right yeah. so when you read about it or you watch a documentary about it in the term in terms of Jake it can kind of come off sanitized right mm-hmm. but now what i when i and i just want to clarify so just again so i'm not sympathizing with slave owners <laughs> but i don't think anybody who listens thinks that you are i know that but you see you see a text slave owners did A, B, and C to their slaves. Mm-hmm. This is how they were treated. Yeah, That's something you read, right? But now, when you watch 12 Years a Slave, the slave owner is a character with nuance, yeah. with personality. And now, you see that even that person that maybe a white person can identify with, like, oh, that kind of... That's a white person. Mm-hmm. The rest of the, these slaves are black. There's a difference there. Yeah. There's a dichotomy that you can recognize, right? So, and people, white people, recognize white people. Hey, that guy looks like me. And it's, what's his name? Michael Fassbender, who's a god of an actor. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he's the slave owner, right? So you're like, okay, here's the slave owner. Here's a character. Here's a person. That slave owner I read about is now personified here on the screen. Sure. You read about rape in slavery, and there's rape in the movie. Now here's a human and a person, two humans, and this one raping that one. You read about it, you're like, oh, dear God. You see it? There's a different connection there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's here's a human, here's a person, here's a human, here's a person, and the her, the atrocities that they're committing on one from another. You know sure. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just think it's different. Yeah. It, it The medium does change the way that we interpret it or mm-hmm. that we read it. And I think... I use this example. We've used this example before when we talk about laws and voting for laws and changing sure. laws. You know, people will argue that an overcorrection at least can then be tailored back to where we actually think we should be. I've said that before. Yeah. So, this over fantasized example of history gets at least maybe sparks an, uh, an interest to then have people kind of, oh, okay, maybe that didn't happen, but here's actually really how bad it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's an equal sure. comparison, but I think with like movies like 12 Years a Slave, I just think it transitions for a historian. A film like that pleases me. Okay, <laughs> It does sure. everything that I wanted to do. It, and listen, that movie is hard to watch. It is hard. But as a historian, I love it and I appreciate it because you read something and you're like, "Oh my god," and you have class discussions and mm-hmm. you write papers about just how gross people can be. And then when you have an, an a, a film that shows it, 
I hope that it's much easier to watch an hour and a half film, two hour film, than to read all these documents, have a glass discussion, and then mm-hmm. write a paper, right? Yeah. Very rarely do people get to do that. But through a film like that, they get to experience the the truth in, in history. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? I, I see 100% what you're saying. Um, I just I just worry that when you have images that aren't real, that people were like, oh, it's just like, they're just trying to push and they're just trying to, you, you see this, like they're just trying to push a narrative or you hear right. like, it's just, Oh, they're just, they're trying to make this look way worse than it is to push a narrative. Right. And I think that that's how you end up getting deniers is that, is that they're able to, they don't want to have to face what exactly happened. So they'll latch on to somebody taking things a little too extreme as justification right. for their denying. Oh, Yikes. Well, and, and with 12 Years of Slave, just again as an example, what if somebody made a Nazi movie that was rooted in the evidence and grossness that we have? You know what I mean? Yeah. And showed. Didn't fantasize. Showed. So maybe one character's life or journey through that time didn't experience all of these things, mm-hmm. but you show the... It. I mean, there there are movies. Right? I know there like, are. I mean, there's the whole Anne, you know anything to do with Anne Frank, or right, you have right. um, the with the boy in the striped pajamas. There's I've like, seen it. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of movies that, about the Holocaust that are exactly right. like that. Um, but are they showing it? I, I just I'm worried about the over reliance. I'm also worried about the over reliance uh-huh. on this medium, the medium film? of film, uh-huh. to tell our. To tell our history. Ooh, damn. Mic drop. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. But that's where we live now. Yeah, I know. In you our... know what? People don't want to film even. They want a, a TikTok to explain the Holocaust <laughs> to them. Oh, my God. In... I hate everyone. Yeah, me too. That's true, though. It is. They don't want to see an hour and a half film. They want a TikTok musical video that explains the Holocaust to them. Because guess what? They've learned everything they need to know. But even the reference to deniers, I look at flat earthers, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, it's insane. Their biggest thing is like all of this, all this imagery and these videos and photographs are saying, it's all CGI. Yeah. I, I'm i not going to get off on flat earthers, but I'm just saying like, it's just weird. This These societies or these people or these groups of people who are just fixed on denying or or the fact that how they're denying history dude Mm -hmm. you know yeah whoa which is why i think to to leave this on a semi-positive note or at least to try to give a solution right is this why public education is important Mm. yeah is that it, it creates that counterbalance to where you can have film right that uses over I keep using the word over dramatization, but that's the only word I can think of. Okay. But also allows people to have that factual basis that grounds them. Right. Too. I get what you're So they can see that image, Mm -hmm. know that it's fake, know that it's for entertainment, but still can take from it that stuff like this really did happen and being able to, to to parse that out in their Mm -hmm. minds. I mean, how many times, I don't know if you do this, but when you watch a film and it's like uh, inspired by true events and then you go, you're like, I wonder what this is. I mean, how much of this Mm -hmm. is actually true? And then you go and read the true events and sometimes the true events are actually far more interesting than the film. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ted, but 
So anything about Ted Bundy is like that. American Made with Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. The whole cocaine era mm-hmm. is, you know, that could lead you down a giant rabbit hole about yeah. how fascinating that history there is. It's a great, it's a great introductory to, introduction to topics for people who aren't like, you know, majors in history or whatever. And so I think that it is useful. I'm not, and I'm not saying that movies should just be documentaries, (laughs) but I I just, I worry about the over, I just worry about the over-reliance on it. Yeah. I think that's a fair, what, what, what effect that's going to have generations from now when the Holocaust is just something that happened last century. I mean, nine 11, there are children now who are just like, I wasn't even alive then. Yeah. You know, that's something we woke up to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's insane. There are people who woke up to Pearl Harbor yeah. who were there. Mm-hmm. You know it, what I mean? And all it is is just grainy, like grainy imagery. Yeah. Which yeah. distances, I think, the viewers today from that. Mm-hmm. Even uh, I was looking, I got a, so Jen got me a subscription to National Geographic History. Okay. And I was reading through it and I was looking at um, the battles the battle at midway okay and they had some imagery there mm-hmm. and it's all black and white and it's all grainy and it's like because it's black and white it you know even even people refer to that yeah all the time of like oh that's just so old because it's black and white but just because it's old doesn't mean it's not real mm-hmm. you know which gets me to this point i think this is actually more positive than what i was talking about with the the, the call to better public education okay is that you can do it Peter Jackson did it with, oh. with They Shall Not Grow Old. Right. By changing everything in that film to color and scripting it and... Scripting it, but not having a single modern person talk that entire movie. Yeah. The only people talking were people who lived it. Right. And he pulled all that in. He pulled all of those um, BBC audio files and then put them over over that track. Yeah, you didn't hear anybody. The narrative is cr- created and done by oral history. Yeah, it's fire, dude. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Why don't we own that movie? It's on HBO. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it too. <laughs> I need to buy it. I have to have that movie in my yeah, collection. It's so good. Also, watch Jojo Rabbit, please. I'm. It's. I can rent it on Amazon Prime. I'm probably gonna do that tonight or tomorrow. It's great. I, I keep saying every time I go on Amazon Prime to watch Hunters, I see right. Jojo Rabbit. I'm like, I'd much rather watch that, but that's like five bucks. Why don't you just borrow it from me after I get it? Okay. Next week I'll give it to you. Sounds good. Or yeah, I'll give it to you next week. Watch it. Okay. It's great. All right. Also, before we go, mm-hmm. I'm not a slave sympathizer, slave owner sympathizer, <laughs> Gosh. or a Nazi sympathizer. Oh. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.